Open your copy of God's Word to John chapter 6. This morning set before us is the Lord's Supper, communion. Think about this. Since our Lord Jesus Christ instituted this sacrament over 2,000 years ago, believers, wherever they're gathered, all over the globe, have been observing this sacrament. And we will continue to do so until Christ returns and we can feast with Him face to face. But this sacrament before us, it is a, it is a sign that points to some reality. And so what I want us to do this morning is consider what exactly this reality is according to God's Word. So you follow along. I'm going to begin reading in John chapter 6, verse 30, or excuse me, 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me." Now, our text this morning is actually in the middle of an encounter that Jesus is having with the crowd. Uh, back at the beginning of, of John chapter 6, a crowd has gathered around Jesus, and um, he asks his disciples, where are we going to get food to feed these people? He, the text says he's, he's testing his disciples. But it ends up, you know how the story goes, there's a little boy who has five loaves and two fish, and Jesus feeds 5,000 men, so some women and children in addition to that, with those five loaves and two fish. And, and so our encounter, our text this morning, is actually the next day. The crowd is searching for Jesus. The crowd is looking for Him. And uh, there's an interesting exchange. Look back in chapter 6 to verse 25. Jesus calls them out and identifies their true motive. Look in verse 25. When they, that's the crowd, found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Jesus identifies that their real motive is because their belly had been filled the day before. Jesus had given everybody bread and some fish, and so they wanted more of that. 
They were excited to have a temporal need met and were seeking out Jesus because he fed them the day before. Now, Jesus calls that out and really begins to identify that there are, there, there's a need that is so much more important than just a temporal need. Jesus is not saying that our temporal needs are not important. Jesus feeds the 5,000. He understands, yes, you need food, you need shelter, you need clothing. He understands that, and he, he understands that those are important things. But he differentiates that they are not primary things. And he, he calls out this crowd and identifies their motive being focused on only an important thing. Now, we may not be able to relate to following somebody around to get some bread, but we're wired the exact same way. Let me, let me illustrate that by uh, reading you an excerpt from a uh, book. It's by a man named Arthur Brooks. Now, he was a columnist, and he would write on happiness, and they compiled a bunch of his columns and made a book. But listen to what Arthur Brooks says. Time and again, I have fallen into the trap of believing that success and its accompaniments would fulfill me. On my 40th birthday, I made a bucket list of things I hoped to do or achieve. They were mainly accomplishments only a walk could want. Writing books and columns about serious subjects, teaching at a top school, traveling to give lectures and speeches, maybe even leading a university or think tank. Whether these were good and noble goals or not, they were my goals. And I imagined that if I hit them, I would be satisfied. I found that list nine years ago when I was 48 and realized that I had achieved every item on it. I had been a tenured professor, then the president of a think tank, I was giving frequent speeches, had written some books that had sold well, and was writing columns for the New York Times. But none of that had brought me the lasting joy I'd envisioned. Each accomplishment thrilled me for a day or a week, maybe a month, never more. And then I reached for the next rung on the ladder. Goals are fine. Temporal needs, yeah, God knows we have them, and they are important. We do need food, we do need clothing, we do need shelter. But none of those temporal matters, none of them are primary. It is rather the spiritual need that we have that is primary. And Jesus calls out the crowd. They're spending all this energy and all this time focused upon a temporal need, and they are neglecting the more important, the primary spiritual need. Where do we actually find lasting joy? What actually is our primary need? Well, what I want us to do as we prepare for these elements is to look at how Jesus actually answers that question. 
Now, back in our text, according to Jesus, what does he say our spiritual need actually is? Well, four times in the text, he identifies it. One time he does it negatively, three times he does it positively. Look back in the text with me. Look at verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So here's the real issue, Jesus says. You have no life. Now he's talking to people that are physically alive, so what is he referencing here? Well, he's talking about their spiritual life. Well, then he goes on and he repeats this. Look at what he says in verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So now we see he's talking about this spiritual life, eternal life. That's the primary thing that Jesus is trying to get these people to focus upon. Well, notice what he does in verse 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now he's, he's further expanding this idea of what our spiritual need is. It's, it's for eternal life. It's, it's to have relationship with God. And then he comes back in verse 57. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Jesus identifies that the primary need we have is that for eternal life, reconciliation with our God. The person who's hungry, well, they seek out bread. The person who's thirsty, well, they seek out drink. The person who recognizes that they have spiritual need, well, they seek out a Savior. Well, then we come to how does Jesus actually identify that this spiritual need be met? Well, again, in the text, four times, he identifies how the spiritual need is to be met. Look again in verse 53. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And then again in verse 57, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Now, Jesus is not indicating that Christians are cannibals. He's not literally talking about digesting the muscle mass of Jesus Christ and consuming his blood. That's not what he's referencing. He's taking a common, everyday, physical reality of eating and drinking to indicate that we, to have spiritual life, are to trust in and rely upon God's provision for our atonement. And that provision is Christ's broken body and Christ's shed blood. That is how we are made right with a holy God. It is the reality that this sacrament is pointing to. If I feed on his flesh and I drink his blood, 
I have now eternal life. If I am relying upon and trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross, then all my sins are forgiven. Are you trusting in Christ's finished work? Come back to the text. In verse 55, he says this, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. It is in Christ that we find real, true forgiveness for sins. Father, as we come to this table, as we reflect and remember Christ's broken body and Christ's shed blood, would you, by your Holy Spirit, drive deep into our hearts the reality that in Christ, through his flesh and through his blood, we have full and complete atonement. All of our sins are forgiven, and once again, we can boldly come before you. Would you, would you minister to us this morning through this sacrament? We ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen.